you will this morning, turn with me to our text, which will come from 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let us pray. O Lord, how great Thou art. I thank Thee, O Lord, for Thy tender mercies. I thank Thee, Lord, that Thou art a sovereign ruler, that You rule over all things that are in this world today. Lord, give us an understanding of that. Give us the reality of that in our souls. And Lord, if it be Thy will in this hour that You would come, and come with power to our souls to show us the depth in this passage, to show, show us, Lord, what we owe to the obedience of Thy Son. And Lord, show us the freedom that we have in Him. O oh Lord, may You be pleased now to open up this passage, and may You be pleased to reveal Thy truth to the glory and praise of Thee. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One of the things that's very hard for us as we walk in this life is what our passage calls today imaginations and thoughts and high things that exalt our thoughts. And if you notice in the passage this morning, Paul is telling us and the Holy Spirit is telling us that it's our imaginations when they run wild with what we hear what's going on in this world and what we see. And when that takes place, those imaginations are exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. So I ask you this morning, as you sit in those seats, what is the knowledge of God? What do you know about your God today? Is He sovereign? Is he the keeper of his sheep? Is he the antidote for fear? Is he the healer of all our infirmities? Is he the, the sovereign God over, over all things that he tells us in Romans 8.28, work for our good? Is he the Lord that Christ is over all things? And those are the questions that we have this morning. But as we, as we think about our imaginations, and we think about how wicked they are. We think about when we hear reports where our mind goes. It shows you the fallenness and what took place in that fall. Our minds always go to what we would deem to be worst case scenario or the wickedness that's around. Or in, in our passage today tells us that there's even high thoughts. The thoughts of pride. The thoughts that go on the other side that say, oh, well, there's no soberness to what life is or there's no fear of the Lord because, oh, well, grace is abounded so it doesn't matter how I live or it doesn't matter what I do or nothing's going to affect me. All of these are in this one passage, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But I want you to look at the last part. And this is, these are the two things we're going to hint on today and hopefully hit very hard. The last part is the remedy. The last part is God's answer 
to what ails us this morning. The problem that goes on in our mind. What is the answer? It's the obedience of Christ. Let, look at this. And, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now the Greek word for to there, of course, is into. So think about that. If the Lord is, is pleased right now to bring that to your soul, the answer to life's concerns and the answer to everything we hear in the world and the answer to what goes on in our mind and the vain thoughts of our mind is to be brought, this mind, into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. You see that? It's not your obedience. It's not what you must do. It's not what you have to do. It's not what it's what he's done. That is what the Lord has provided for his children. And bringing into captivity every thought into or to the obedience of Christ. So that's what we're going to look at today. And before we delve into this passage, I want to back up and show you where Paul's coming from as he starts this, this chapter. And we know what the chapter breaks doesn't necessarily... We know it's a letter, so it's not really a chapter break. But we ended the last chapter with thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Oh, thank you, Lord, for Christ. Thank you for sending your Son. The obedience of Christ. We're going to talk about that. Thank you, Lord, that He obeyed perfectly. Thank you, Lord, that you sent Him and He has done everything of your will. He has made every way for the child of God. He has procured salvation. He has kept them from every disease. He has kept them from every harm. He has kept them from every uh, spiritual depression. Whatever it is, the Lord is the remedy for that that is brought into our life. And when I say kept from, I mean kept through. Yes, we may get sick. Yes, we have evil thoughts. Yes, we have. That's the fallenness of our nature. But the Lord is faithful. That's what I want you to understand today. In this passage, the Lord is faithful. So Paul says, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. He says, now I, Paul, myself beseech you. I beg you. I say, listen to what I'm about to say. By what? By my, the rod of my hand coming down on you? By my loud voice? By my authoritativeness? No. What I have to say to you is from the gentleness and meekness of Christ. See, when the Lord speaks to us, He speaks to us. Those are two fruits of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness and meekness. Paul said, what I'm about to write to you and what I'm about to tell you is through the meekness and gentleness of Christ. That's the mind that He's given me. The mind of Himself. The mind of Christ. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who in, pres who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. That's what he's talking about in the writing of this letter. He's not with them right now. But the Lord is with him as he's writing this letter. But I beseech you once again that I may not be bold when I'm present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Even in this time where the accusations are coming against Paul that he's walking or warring after the flesh, he said, even in this time that I now exhort you, and even as this time I write this letter, and even in this moment, may the Lord work in me the gentleness 
And the meekness of Christ that hasn't wavered, even though there's a false report going around about Paul. He said in 3, For though we walk in the flesh, though we walk in this body, and we'll, say, we'll see that later, where he says, O wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of death? Even though we walk around in this body, in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Meaning, we do not succumb to the dictates of the flesh. The flesh does not control me, Paul said. Yes, there is a warfare. There's a warfare that we have all our life. But in the child of God, Christ in Him, the hope of glory, is triumphant. He is the victory. Paul said there's, there's not, it's not a war to lose. It's not a war that we can lose if we be in Christ. And so he goes on in four. In a parenthetical way, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You know what carnal means? Of the human nature or of the human way to wield that sword or that spear or that... That's, it's not a fleshly weapon. It's not a weapon of your mind. It's not even a weapon of your duty. It's not a weapon of what you can do. You know what? As we hear these reports going on in this world, I'm just like you. I read the reports and I say... What can I do to keep myself from this situation that's going on in the world? That's our first indication. But child of God, our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This is all parenthetical because what it means is I'm about to tell you what the answer is. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Those strongholds are our imaginations. Those strongholds are our fears. Those strongholds is that three-headed enemy that we have. The, the wicked one, the devil, who's always in our ear telling us, accusing us, telling us what the Lord has showed us is not true. Telling us to doubt it. Telling us, no, this... This is all a fairy tale. Telling us that, oh no, things are getting worse. Do you see how many people are dying? Do you see all these things? And it causes us, if we listen to those things, if we walk in that way, we get very fearful and very scared. And as we do that, we're not trusting in the Lord. Who is sufficient for these things? Am I sufficient for these things? As we see all these reports, as we, we go to work and we're affected by it at work, we're affected by it in publics, we're affected, we walk by people with masks on, we're wondering why they're wearing masks. Yeah, we're affected. But our weapons, what the Lord has given us, is the mind of Christ. And what He's given us is what Christ has finished on the cross. That's bringing all these thoughts into the obedience of what Christ has done for us. And that's what he tells us here. You know, uh, Paul in um, Ephesians 6.12 told us that we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of the world, spiritual wickedness in high places. So as we have these enemies, as we have this, this wickedness, as we have all these things that are against us, and that, that I didn't even count our mind. 
That carnal mind that, that's fallen, that carnal mind that listens to the world, that carnal mind that listens to the devil, that carnal mind that walks after the dictates of our flesh. That Our flesh says, here, go after this. This will make you feel better. So what do we have? What is the remedy, Paul says? What is the remedy for that? And remember, the beseeching is in the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. And I hope that comes across this morning that what I say up here is in the meekness and gentleness of Christ. This is what He's done. That's what I want to proclaim today in the Gospel is what the Lord has done. And then when we come to our text here, we're, we're immediately met with these words, casting down imaginations. Later in our text it says, um, every thought. So we have thoughts and imaginations. And I hope you don't sit there and you're thinking, well, my thoughts aren't that bad. Because let me tell you what the Lord says about that. In, in, um, page flip, hold on. in Genesis 6-5, you know where Genesis 6 is. That's right before the flood. Listen to this. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do you think that's changed? Do you think that's changed just because He wiped everybody off the face of the earth and He preserved some and now mankind has come back? Do you think that the evil mind has changed? The only thing that changed was He had a promise that He said He'd never flood the earth again. Because I'll tell you, Jesus is going to say the same thing here in a minute, but the psalmist David says in 94.11, The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man that they are vanity. The thoughts of man are empty. You and I spend a lot of time in empty thoughts. What can I keep myself from? How am I going to do this? What am I going to do if I get this? How am I going to react if this happens? How am I going to do it if my neighbor gets it? What if I go to Publix and these people sneeze on me? What am I going to do if this... All these thoughts just keep flooding our mind. And they're going to continue to flood your mind and those imaginations. What's the remedy? What, what is it that the Lord has designed in His Word and in His purpose and in His will that is the victory over that? We're going to get to that. Jesus said these words in Mark seven twenty one. He said, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. That's where they come from. That fallen nature. It produces those thoughts. Those thoughts that we have. That are the, What does our text say? Against the knowledge of God. That's the thing. We're not disputing what we know about God. We know He's sovereign. We know that God is love. We know that He's designed everything for the good of His people. We know that He's a faithful shepherd. We know that. Why do, we, why do our thoughts are so wicked and evil against Him? That's, that's what He's telling us. How are these thoughts cast down? What does the Lord... How does He bring us to see that they're wicked? How does He bring us to rest in His finished work? Because that's what His obedience is. David, as he understood this warfare in him, as he understood the wickedness of his mind, as the Lord revealed that to him, he cried out to the Lord in Psalm 139, 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Try me and know my... 
And, and that right there is a beginning for the child of God. Lord, I don't know the depth. I know that when I'm sitting by myself or I see things. and I mean, do you ever wonder that about yourself? That when, or are you ever down on yourself because of the way you react to things? I'll be the first to tell you I am. I, many times in my life, almost every day, I'm thinking, what a faithless person I am. I read something, I hear something, I immediately act, and I act upon fear, or I act in a, just a recklessness of how this situation, oh, this person says that you should react this way, okay, I'll react that way. There's no depth. There's no, that's that vanity of imaginations and those thoughts that come up. What do I need? I need the Lord's peace, right? I need, I need the Lord to show me that and, and bring all these thoughts into captivity. To what though? To, to my obedience? To tell me how good I've been? Oh, well, Sean, I remember one time you acted the right way. I remember you, you prayed once and you, you, know, you, were, you touched the will of God. So let's, let's make sure you... Oh, Sean, maybe you be, be in your word more. You just flip those switch, uh, flip those pages, and they'll they'll minister to you. I've, I've proved that to be wrong. When the Lord does it, when the Lord draws me to His word, when the Lord fills my soul with Himself, that's His work. That's that's what Paul's telling us that we have in Christ Jesus. You know, we use that terminology a lot in Christ Jesus. What is it we have in Christ Jesus? We have His obedience. His obedience. His perfect obedience. In Jeremiah 29.11, Jeremiah says this from the perspective of God, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You see that? So it doesn't, our thoughts do not affect God's thoughts toward us. See that? See, He's, He's sovereignly higher and has infinite power that He's not swayed by anything that we think. We may think evil of Him, but His thoughts are, are good toward us continually. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Now to me, knowing my fallen nature, knowing, knowing how, how, how I am, that magnifies grace to me. It magnifies the goodness of God and how great He truly is. But see, along with those imaginations, we have what we call what Paul calls high things. Those prideful thoughts. Well, this couldn't happen to me. Well, this couldn't be this way because, well, I'm God's child. He, you know, I, I pray more than everybody, and I. I do what I, I'm in my Bible and I do all these things. Listen, if it's the Lord's sovereign will for any of us in here to get whatever's going around, it's because He's designed it for our good. He's designed it for our soul. It is not a mark where we sit as the Pharisees do and look down at those because they get that they're sinners and say, oh, well, because you're a sinner, God doesn't love you and He has no favor upon you. Who can stay the hand of the mighty God? Who can question Him and say, Why formest thou me this way? Who can? This is the knowledge of God that we know. We know His sovereignty. 
We know that He tells us what Romans 8.28 is. He knows that He tells us without Him we can do nothing. But constantly these thoughts and imaginations and the high things come in. So as I said, Paul doesn't leave us. He doesn't leave us to say, you're on your own, guys. You're on your own. Why don't you take this letter that I wrote you and go back over here and memorize it. And you can be an obedient servant to God. Why don't you, why don't you go lock yourself up in a room and, and pray real hard and, and you can bring God down and apply Him to yourself. No. Nope. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Into the obedience of Christ. That's where I, that's where I pray this morning the Lord brings our thoughts. Lord, bring our thoughts to what Christ has done for us. Lord, bring our thoughts to His finished work on the cross. His perfect obedience. Lord, bring us to that where the Lord has done all things for us. Bring us to that peace. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 26.3, Thou wilt wilt keep him in perfect peace. Thou, being the Lord, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Well, who does that? We all can prove that we can't stay our mind. We all can prove that we can say, well, I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to be strong. And then the Lord shows us how, how quickly and frail we are and how dependent we are upon His sovereign strength and His mind and His grace and His faith to believe it, to apprehend it. Thou will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Thee because He trusteth in Thee. What are we trusting in? We're trusting in what He has done. Not a potential of what He can do, what He's done. That's what the obedience of Christ is. Into the obedience of Christ, what He's done. What He has procured. What He is doing as reigning in heaven for us. All according to what He did as a perfect Son, as a perfectly obedient Son to His Father. None of us in this room can say that. That we have been perfectly obedient. We can't even say that in a day. We can't even say that in an hour because of this fallen mind. This fallen mind that's at enmity with God is constantly thinking evil. Thinking something against the knowledge of God. In other words, unbelief. It's what unbelief is. Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Who is God? What has He done? Who is He to His people? What has Christ's obedience done for you and I? And when we doubt that, and we are faithless in that way, those are the attacks and things that we have. We stand in need of His faith. We stand in need of His gentleness. We stand in need of His meekness and His love. In Romans 5.19, Paul wrote, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. How? We got anything from Adam? No. Everything we receive is the obedience of the other. 
of one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is how the child of God is made righteous. That is how the child of God is made holy. That is the way the child of God is made right in the eyes of God through Jesus Christ. Peter, at the beginning of his letter in 1 Peter 1-2, said it this way. Who he was writing to. The elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit. What is sanctification? Revealing our holiness is in Christ. Setting apart for the Lord's use. That's what He has done His people. Sanctification is holiness. By the Holy Spirit. Takes the things of Christ and says, this is what He's done on your behalf. This is His obedience. This is what's presented to the Father and what the Son has done for His children. And I know. If you're like me, you think of that and those words hit home to you. You say, gosh, how unworthy I am. My mind is always racing. My mind is always doubting Him. My mind is all... But His thoughts toward us don't change. His love toward us does not waver. Sometimes we measure God's love by our fickle love or human love or what we know of love. Which is nothing. I mean, who could measure the depth and width and the, it's unfathomable what the love of God is toward His people. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. He reveals to us the obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. That blood that is taken away and cleansed us from all of our sins and all of those vain imaginations and all of those things that clutter our mind, the Lord has cleansed us from that. All that anxiety, the Lord is faithful to do so. I want to go to a few places today and I want to show you, Lord willing, what Paul says about the obedience of Christ and what it produces. I think we'll start in Romans 7. At the end of Romans 7. We already touched on it a little bit. but If you look at the end of Romans 7, and we'll just... Well, we'll back up to 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inner, inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Do you see that? That's what we've been talking about. These vain imaginations, the prideful thoughts, the thoughts against the Lord and what He's done. Oh, wretched man that I am. This is Paul looking at himself. Oh, wretched man that I am. I hope we can join Paul as the Holy Spirit reveals that to us. How wretched I am, Lord, when You reveal my unbelief. When you reveal, reveal what's going on in the members of my body. This body that's riddled with sin. O wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind... I myself serve the law of God. What, how did we get there? Just a minute ago, we found what was present in us. 
Well, how do we get to the mind we serve the law of God? We serve God. How do we get to that point? He told us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. But with the flesh, the law of sin. There is now for, therefore now, no condemnation to, to them which are in Christ Jesus. Qualifying words, who walk not after the flesh. Remember, Paul, how we started this? We don't war after the flesh. We're not walking after the flesh. Dear ones, there's condemnation for our flesh. There better be. I hope you condemn your flesh. I hope you say it. There's nothing. There's nothing in it that dwells that's good. No good thing. Lord, save me from this. Raise up thy, the new man of grace in me. Raise up thy son, Christ, in me. The hope of glory. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What made the difference? The law of the Spirit of life in Christ. Law here is not used as the Ten Commandments, but as a revelation of the, of the being in Christ. For the law of the Spirit, of the, the, the revelation of the, the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the revelation of sin and death. From the revealing of sin and death. Christ has done that. And why? Well, our text told us today how that is by His perfect obedience. I don't know how much you think of the obedience of Christ. How much this week you've thought about the obedience of Christ. How much you've ever looked at our passage today and said, wow, it's because of the obedience of Christ that He pulls down these strongholds in my life. It's because of what He's done. No creature here. No individual. All what He's done. All of grace. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son. You know what that is? Obedience. God sending His Son. The Son saying, Yes, Father, I will go and I will lay down my life for my sheep. And I will every one of them, I will keep them, I will take them with the, to the cross with me. They will raise with me. They will have newness of life with me. The law could not do it though it was weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That's right. That does not have any reign over you. You say, wow, you're making me, you're making me sad because I, I, now I'm starting to realize how bad my thoughts really are. I, I never really thought about that. No, that's, that's, that's walking after the flesh. The victory is that the Lord has put that down. He's put it away. His blood has covered it. That's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's what He reveals to us. This is what I've done for you. This is me laying down my life for you. This is me washing you. This is me making you holy. This is me making you righteous to present you before the Father. Let's go to Philippians 2. Very familiar passages. 
Philippians 2, we'll begin in verse 5. Let this mind be in you by the almighty creating power of the Lord. Let this mind be in you. Oh, I pray that for every one of us. Let this mind be in you. It's not a mask to put on. It's not a coat to put on. It's the Lord arming us with His mind in these troublesome times, in these perilous times. Lord, reveal to us Your mind. Let this mind be in you. What mind is it? Let's see it. Which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. What is that? That's obedience. He thought it not robbery um, to come, who's equal with God to come down here to save His people from their sins by His perfect obedience. Without me, you can do nothing. He came. This is what He did for us. This is our antidote for fear. This is our antidote for anxiety. This is our antidote for everything we hear in this life. Christ has procured life for us by His perfect obedience. And this week, as the fears grip you, or this day as fears come into your life, may the Lord impress upon you the mind of Christ to say, it's not what's going on, it's not what's going to happen, it's what did happen. It is what the Lord has done, not what is going on. What has the Lord done for you? And being found, fa found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Remember, this is a letter. There's no break. Wherefore, my beloved, because wherefore connects us to let this mind be in you. It has nothing to do with the creature. And any preacher that comes up here, and, or not up here, but anywhere that stops in 12 has a big problem. Because all they want to do is speak of the creature. There's a problem there. 12 is not about the creature. The 12 is about what the Lord has done for His people. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, where is our obedience? We just heard it. It was in 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Christ obeyed perfectly to the cross. Christ obeyed in every jot and tittle. Christ has done it all. What is left for you and I? We're receiving vessels of grace. Does that make us docile? Does that make us lifeless? No, it gives us the life of Christ in us to live. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out, think on, reckon these things, uh, your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling shows us the humility of Christ. That's what He had. That's what He did. That's what we saw in the garden. Humility. That's the work of the Lord. That's the meekness. That's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And how can we look at that verse and take it out and go, oh, this is for me to work out. 
Oh, I've got to procure my salvation. Oh, it's dependent upon my obedience. You know what that is? Creature garbage. That's man-centeredness all the way. I said, we, you know, God is good. God says we ain't stopping in 12. We're going to 13. Four. That's the connecting verse. Four. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. You know what that is? That's the obedience of Christ. For it is God which worketh in you to will and to do. That's Christ's obedience. God works that in His children. The obedience of His Son. The Son works that in His children. The obedience of Himself. The Holy Spirit works that in His children. He reveals to us the work that Christ has done perfectly on the cross. Oh, it is God. It is God that works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. That's, that's our antidote today. That's the message of the Gospel that the Lord has laid on my heart for you today. That is what the Lord has said to me. Declare my finished work to the sheep in this room that they may indeed receive comfort as He is pleased to give it, as He is pleased to bring it about, as He is pleased to bring it to your soul. It's not in what you do or what you can do. It's always, always our peace and our life is in what Christ has done. We'll close with the words in Philippians 4. If you turn just a page over, at least it's just a page for me. Uh, we'll just start back up in 6. Be careful for nothing. That means anxious. Oh, being anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be, no be made known unto God. I would reckon and think that in these trying weeks that we have made a lot of requests known unto God. Praise be to God that He brings us to His throne. Praise be to God that He is faithful. The Word of God tells us, make your requests known by prayer and supplication. Our anxiousness, the remedy for that is being in prayer and union with the Lord. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That's our Lord. That's what He does. The peace of God. He's the one who stays our mind upon Him. It will, that peace passes all understanding. And He shall keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally. Finally. Verse 8. This is, this is the mind of Christ. This is what Christ has done. Brethren, whatsoever things are of truth. The truth in Christ. Whatsoever things are honest. The honesty of Christ. Whatever, whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there virtue. That virtue and that what does Paul mean? He's not looking at yourself. Where is our virtue? It's in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of these things that Paul mentioned. 
truth, honesty, justice, purity, love, a good report. Do you have a good report of your Lord? Has He revealed to you what He has done for you? Has He revealed to you the obedience of Christ? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And finally, our text one more time. 2 Corinthians 10.5 Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, may You be pleased to reveal to us this day the depth of the obedience of Thy Son and what that means for our souls and what that means for life. That Lord, we owe all that we have unto Thee. To Thee be all glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.